The Theonauts, episode 46. The one where I'm a shadow of the Batman. The Theonauts Podcast. Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's word. Hello, all you Theo brides out there. <laughs> it's a virtual dance party here Woo! in the studio. <laughs> we need some. Uh, we need some of them rave li- black lights, you know. <laughs> dun 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 dun. Anyways, <laughs> I'm David Gaddy. I'm Jeremiah Orr. Together, we are the the Theo Knots. So, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. So awesome, awesome. We we had a, speaking of dance parties. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremiah had a birthday. Woo! And there was a dance party here oh, at the little man. coffee shop. We mixed it up, didn't we? Oh, it was great. It was I great. wasn't here, so I don't know. But oh I, yeah, you totally missed it. But I heard it was it was a raving good time. It was epic. I think it was probably one of my favorite parties I've ever been to in my life. <laughs> just because people were like, "Hey, play this song," and then everybody would just go nuts dancing. Hey, play this song, and they'd remember all these songs from their past. And, oh, man, it was just great. Wow, that's so funny. Oh, man. <laughs> and I know we talked about it before, but there's, it's so uh, weird coming from your background and everything. <laughs> you know, it's funny. So my pastor walked in like 20 minutes after. And we, I think I was like playing kung fu fighting or something. Everybody was dancing. Yeah. And I hit pause and I go, everybody, Chris is here. Jesus loves me this time. <laughs> and then... I hit the play music and we just started dancing. It was really funny. So, yeah. Wow, that's awesome. It was it was a great time. Had mom's bakery cake. Oh, yeah. Have you ever had mom's yeah. cake? Yeah, it's good. It's it's the best. It's my favorite ever. Way too much icing on it. Way too good. Yeah, that's really really rich mm-hmm. icing on those. Mm-hmm. So, oh man. So <sighs> let's see what else. Um, it looks like I'm going to be a grandfather again. Congratulations! Yes. Woohoo! Um, in this this time, it is a an adoption. That's right. So Mandy and Stephen have been trying to um, to adopt even before they had their their first baby, and uh, this is just a uh, this is a um, going and doing love thing. This, right. is, this has nothing to do with oh you can't have a baby you're going to have to adopt or anything like that. This is, I mean, this this is about their heart for orphans. A call to love, yeah. Yes, That's and good. and they and they had this, you know, to begin with, uh, before they had Jesse, and uh, you know, we talked about it a little bit on our our orphan uh, show that we did, but anyway, so they've got um, uh, referred to, right. and so they're matched up to uh, a cute little baby boy, <laughs> and he is cute. Oh yes. my goodness, his name is Shepherd. Shepherd. <laughs> Which is an awesome name. So, yeah, we're all excited about this. Yeah. Hopefully, by the end of the year, uh, he'll be here uh, with us. So I saw the pictures of your uh, grandson um, 
Jesse. Jesse with the chalkboard that says, I'm going to be a big brother. It's <laughs> awesome. So cute. Yeah. So we, it's been all exciting, exciting around here and, and everything. Just ready for and it. Actually, he's going to play a little bit with the, our types and shadow we're yeah. doing today, you know, about uh, being brought in and. Pretty awesome. You know, so this is, a, you know, that adoption thing is really. It's awesome. still it still sticks with me, you know. I, yeah, it's amazing the picture of adoption that that Christ gives us mm-hmm. in Scripture and calls us to adopt. So, yeah. uh, kudos to to uh, your kiddos for doing that. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Awesome. So uh, okay, and then I am busy preparing for a uh, Passover meal. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it's, it's been a couple of years since we did that, but uh, yeah, you're doing a retreat out at um, um, Beavers Bend. Beavers Bend in Oklahoma. That's right. And it just happens to be that Passover is on Friday. That's right. And so we're gonna go ahead and do the cedar. Yeah. And uh, just do the whole thing. and Yeah, I invited David out. This will be his first time with the youth group doing a <laughs> retreat. And, uh, man, it'll be, it'll be fun. It's going to be a whole new experience. So. Yeah, I think, that, I think that'll be a blast. Yeah, me too. So They'll love it. it it's, uh, it, I mean, I think the, the kids will probably think it's a little weird because they've never done that type of thing before. And it's right. very ritual Oh yeah, oriented. I mean, it's like <laughs> yeah. And if there's anything that our our uh, background does, it's get away from the rituals. Right, I don't like right. those rituals, and and especially if they're rituals that you're not. Yeah, you didn't grow up with. Right. It's one thing if you're doing a ritual that you've always done. Yeah, but this is like uh, okay. There's there are questions that are that you have to ask <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that we say things in unison. Right. And uh, so it's going to be. It'll be interesting. Yeah, to say the least. It'll be really fun to do, though. Oh, wow. I can't wait. I can't believe it's a week away. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Time, Time flies. It does. All right, <sighs> man. So you got some news for us? I do. And now, the news. Well, there was the sound of a million teenage and pre-teenage girls' hearts breaking yesterday. Around the world. Oh, really? As Zayn Malik from the band One Direction quit One Direction. What? (laughs) (laughs) I wish we had the soundboard that Michael has so we could put all these girls crying. It'd be great. All I heard yesterday was, oh, no, Zayn, I can't believe you're quitting. One Direction won't be the same without you. So, yeah. First thing in the news. I didn't I even just, know who it was. I want you to know Zane quit <laughs> One Direction. Did I ever tell you that I prank called a uh, ticket agency, being a couple kids? No. And I pretended to be an old man. I was like, you got any, got any of them One Direction tickets? <laughs> in the sling blade. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You got mustard on it. I can't, I, I'm like, I really like that Nile. He's pretty. <laughs> <laughs> the lady was just, she didn't even miss a beat. She's like, uh-huh, we have tickets. Would you like a ticket? Mm. Mm, can I see that Nile? You got, you got anything good to eat in there? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So Malik said, this is officially, he says, my life of One Direction has been more than I could have ever imagined, but after five years, I feel like it is now the right time for me to leave the band. So anyways, Zane left the band, but so now for some real news. <laughs> I I just want I had to announce that because you know a, a bunch of teenage girls were crying about it. And yeah. It's just so sad. Oh, all right, my heart breaks. Yeah. 
Um, speaking of heartbreak, Heaven Tourism Books pulled from nearly 200 Christian bookstores. Heaven Tourism. Heaven Tourism. Can you think of any Heaven Tourism books? Um, the Book of Enoch. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that was in any Christian oh. bookstores to begin with, <laughs> which is hilarious, actually, that they choose Heaven is for Real over the Book of Egypt. Oh, Enoch. those things. Okay. Yeah, those. Okay, Lifeway Christian Resources. I really like that 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 term, Heaven Tourism Books. Heaven Tourism Books. Because <laughs> it really makes it, it, it sound uncredited, you know, uncredible. Right. I, went to, I went to Heaven, and this is what I saw. I yeah. toured Heaven. Okay. All right, Lifeway Christian Resources has stopped selling all, quote-unquote, experiential testimonies about heaven following consideration of a 2014 Southern Baptist Convention resolution on the sufficiency of Scripture regarding the afterlife. Lifeway told Baptist Press about its decision to halt sales of heavenly visitation resources today, March 24th, in response to the inquiry about the book 90 Minutes in Heaven by Don Piper, which is being made into a movie slated for release this fall. The book recounts Piper's supposed experience of heaven following a severe auto accident and has sold 6.5 million oh, copies. No, wait a minute. That's the, one, that's the one who came out and said I lied about the whole thing. No. That's another one. Oh, okay. Yeah, we there's so many. Okay, so this one I remember when this came out because my wife bought it and she read it yeah, and she I've was just like, on the and she's like, you know Don Piper? I'm like, yeah, John Piper. I love John Piper. He's like, no, Don Piper. I'm like, what? Who's Don? Okay, anyway, so 90 minutes in heaven. Uh, it sold 6.5 million copies in 46 languages. And now it's gonna be Kaput. the next great Christian movie. Yeah. And so Lifeway took it off the. Uh, this is what Lifeway has to say. Last summer, as we began developing Lifeway's new structure and direction, what we've now identified as One Lifeway, <laughs> the role of Heaven Visitation Resources. <laughs> one Direction. One, yeah, One Direction Lifeway. The role of Heaven Visitation Resources was included in our considerations. We decided these experiential testimonies about Heaven would not be a part of a new direction, so we stopped reordering them for our stores last summer. Lifeway spokesperson Marty King told Baptist Press in written comments. So basically, whatever Southern Baptist vote Lifeway goes for, and since they decided that... Well, that's where they had their roots, right? Yeah, Then they that used to be the Baptist bookstore or something well, like that? Well, it used to be called Broadman Holman Press. Mm. It's our it's our watchtower. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> oh, that was harsh. <laughs> Do they have a periodical? Something like that. <laughs> well, you, they do have a Bible. The or, Holman. Right, right. H-C-S-B. Hardcore Southern Baptist. <laughs> you ever notice that? No. Now you know. Now you know it's All right, conspiracy. I'm deleting that one off of my iPad. <laughs> <laughs> I, I teach out of it because it's really yeah. like just it flows. It's really nice to read. Mm. But I don't think it's <laughs> any better than any other ones. By the way. Oh, this week. Okay, so I'm playing around online, and you know, you get just the habit of playing around online. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm playing around online, and I look up these. I originally I typed in Christian tracks, but I was looking for music tracks. Okay, for uh, to sing at church. Well, and obviously it, you're getting chick.com or whatever. Right? I popped up chick.com. Right, dude, and I started reading all those old tracks, <laughs> and one of them was the. Uh, 
how Satan was trying to destroy the only authorized version of the Bible. <laughs> oh, yes. Chick is a huge King James only guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so I read this whole history of the King James Bible versus <laughs> yeah. the history of the other translations. It is so screwed up. It's so hilarious, though. Yeah. I was just laughing and thinking David. David would laugh <laughs> so hard at this. Dude, I remember those Chick tracks. Like When I was a kid, those things used to be you know, everywhere. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they were everywhere. Yeah. So that, that 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 guy's been around a long time. We still have some in our church resource. Really? Yeah, office. It's kind of interesting. But uh, yeah, what the, what cracked me up more than anything was in the middle of this track, it's talking about Wycliffe being burned at the stake. Yeah. And it's like, even good godly men like Wycliffe were burned at the stake. And I'm like, no, well, wait a second. His bones were burned. Oh, no, Tyndale. About- Tyndale. Okay, Tyndale. And I'm like, wait a second. You're talking about Tyndale here, and yet you're saying that the King James, the King is, James the is the only version. Yeah, and I've often wondered about uh, the King James only, what what that group thinks about the eight prior English translations. Well, they actually think that they're good translations because they were translated based off of... The same manuscripts? The same manuscripts, mm-hmm. not the Roman Catholic manuscripts. Right. So they think they're well, evil. I've got a... I can agree with them a little bit on that. Yeah, I can too. <laughs> but then they throw out this so, whole Satan, Satanist behind it all, and it was a conspiracy. Right. And they use the Apocrypha as proof. But I'm like, okay, so what about the I modern mean, translations that take out the Apocrypha? And the Apocrypha was, was in the King James. I know. So... They don't... They don't okay. even recognize that. Wow. At all. <clears throat> it's hilarious. This That's track really is really funny. And they even depict Satan as a little pitchfork yeah. guy. It's pretty great. So. How did we get on Chick? I don't know. I was just... <laughs> we were talking about uh, Lifeway. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> My bad. Just, uh, you know, it we was, haven't... We haven't talked in a while. Yeah? Yeah. Gosh. My wife is sending me kissy faces. Well, ignore her. She she wants to meet me at Roadhouse. <laughs> All right, I gotta go. No, <laughs> no, I'm joking. Okay, here we go. So last, last, uh, last. Um, what am I doing? Uh, news. news. That's right. Yes. Last news article. One in four Americans don't believe in God. Lack of trust in local churches cited as reason why adults are leaving the faith. So Barna, of course, did another study, and mm-hmm. this one they focused on recently. Um, uh, recently departed church members, in other <clears throat> words, church members who had recently left the church. Yes. Why they had left the church. One in four of them claims that they don't believe in God, and the reason is because um, Christians are liars. And then. Uh, yeah, because uh, everyone should judge God based on his idiot followers. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And then the rest of them are agnostics, pretty much. So 25% of those who've left the church still believe they're, they're atheists. And and the rest of them are agnostic, so that you know God could exist, but this isn't the way. So, anyways, a pretty interesting study just came out t- two thousand fifteen. Um, so we're we're not sitting very pretty as far as um, st- skeptics. So, well, it, well, we're not doing our job. No, we're not. So I mean, we're sitting here if, over if, our, if arguing ex- about yeah. Hey, if their excuse is uh, Christians are a bunch of hypocrites. And we earned that, by the way. That's not an unfair That's um, right. uh, statement. So we just got to change that. <laughs> you know? we, have to, we have to be real and, uh, and deal with it. All right, so is that all news you got? That's everything. 
All right. Well, let's let's have. <laughs> Yes, Siri, it is Theo Trivia time. All right. And we haven't done this in a while. No, we haven't. It's time for me to move up ahead, though. Yeah. Uh, well, currently, I'm still whipping you. Yeah, by one. Yeah. So, by one. But but you're you're hung on prophecy. You know, you are the main biblical scholar in Theonauts. What? And yet, and yet <laughs> I'm only I've never made one. that claim. What are you talking I'm about? I'm making that claim right now. <laughs> All right, here we go. <clears throat> so, right, so I'm first, and, yeah, I, you're and first. I am on names. <clears throat> hmm. What, pray tell? <laughs> your best Monty Python <laughs> voice. <laughs> Is your favorite color? No. Okay. Blue? <laughs> no, no, red. <laughs> ah! <laughs> great. Okay, no. All right. What was the name of the young girl who looked after King David when he was old? I have no idea, but that but that's one of the most messed up things <laughs> in the Bible. <laughs> What's your name? Abishag. Abishag. That's right. I have been horrible with these names. First lately. King one. Thank I missed you, Eli- Lord. Eleazar. I missed that with. It. But anyway, that's such a messed up thing. Have you ever thought about that? Because he's old, he's an old guy. Yeah. He's got this young, like hot girl that just. Keeps him warm in bed. Uh huh. Okay, that's just too weird. Uh huh. <laughs> Do strange. you not remember the story I brought to you two <clears throat> weeks ago? <laughs> I'm not going to go there or announce this on the air. So we're just going to keep going. Okay. But I think it's a common thing. All right, go ahead. Yeah, it's a common thing. Scary. Okay, so you're on prophecy, right? Maybe we're just <laughs> upset because we don't get that one. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Christina's not listening. No, she's not. Hopefully not. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay, your prophecy question. Yes. Which prophet quotes God as saying he will provide for the people a pure language that they may all call upon the name of the Lord? <laughs> A pure language. Yeah. Do you need a clarification on the on it again? Yeah. Okay. So, which prophet quotes God as saying He will provide for the people quote a pure language that they may all call upon the name of the Lord in the Chick approved King James version? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm gonna go. I'm. I'm. We're gonna go with Isaiah. Ah, who no, is it? that would be Zephaniah. Oh wow! That's uh, you can read that in case you're interested in Zeph- Zephaniah chapter three. I'm not even interested now. Verse nine. I'm just frustrated. <laughs> Can't get past this thing. All right. Hey, I'm stuck too. So I'm on names again. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Lay it on me. What was the name of Rahab's husband? <laughs> Thank you. 
Salmon. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> also, coincidentally, a very good fish to yes, eat. I was okay. going to say salmon. Just salmon? To, just to mix things up. I like that salmon. <laughs> He's a good guy. Oh, so I moved up. Yes. Yeah, congratulations. Yes, yes, yes. Give me an easy one. Let's go. Let's go easy, <clears throat> easy, Okay, easy. I'm just grabbing it. I know. Could be easy. I know. <laughs> Could not be. Come on, Barry. Which book? Okay, so we're, we a got a, a finite list here. Which book contains the following prophecy of Jesus' trial? He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. Isaiah. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I like that. I like it a lot. Okay. Okay. So, so we each moved up one. We're kind of in the same boat. Yeah, so we're, we're in the same boat, but I'm still ahead. All right. Congratulations. <laughs> Bring out your dead. <laughs> Sorry. It is time for some types. And, and shadow, 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 dark shadows. You got shadows in there. <laughs> All right, good. Yeah, okay. So, um, as you guys may know, if you're a listener to any of the shows on GCT Network, yeah, we have an affinity for types, types and shadows. We do. That's uh, right. And this is a series we started that who knows how many parts it's going to have but it's been a while well there's a lot of types and sh shadows and tons we could spend a long this could be just an ongoing series yeah and, you know and for the duration 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 of duration of the so less. this is the second one that we're doing yeah and we decided okay if we're going to do a study on tops of and shadows we might as well get big obvious one out of the way right yeah so Abraham and Isaac. Abraham and Isaac. Oh, yeah. That's the number one type of show. Yeah. Well, wait a second. Hold on. I take that back. Passover is pretty big. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's lots of big ones. Yeah. But uh, but I think everyone can read the story of Abraham and Isaac yeah. and pretty much see the correlation like right off. So, uh, But what I think is cool about this story is that there's more than meets the eye. I mean, there's a lot. The Holy Spirit chose to layer this story with tons of types. I mean, tons of things in here right? that tie in, that, that really solidify this. It's one of those things that also is faith building. Right. Because it's like, wow, that's uncanny how much stuff is in here that ties into <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, and how long ago did this happen, you know? Yeah. So before Christ, one so. of the things I've often um, heard and and talked about is uh, that Jesus is is on every page of the Bible. Mm. I mean, he's if he's if he's not being directly talked about or prophesied about, he's being typified. That's right. He's he's being given this this model of some sort that fits in here. Every name, every number, every everything in the new in the Old Testament, New Testament. Signifies Christ, points to Jesus. Right. Well, I've in always some heard. Way. Yeah, it's kind of like the Old Testament is an arrow pointing to Christ, and after after the Gospels, the New Testament is an arrow pointing back to Christ. That it all points right. to Jesus. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and you could say the the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed, 
and the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. concealed yes. Yeah, so That's good. Some cool things here. Okay, so let's just talk about the story first because we're not going to assume you know what we're talking about. Although I think we probably could. I think most of the listeners of the show are are probably theo knots and so they they, they probably uh, have studied the Bible enough to to know this story but let's let's humor them right okay so what we have is we we have Abraham who's very old and his wife is very old and he's been given this promise that he is going to father nations that his that his seed is going to be the salvation of mankind. Right, <clears throat> and that his seed was going to be as uh, numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the beach. So all these little these promises made to him, but he's an old guy. Yeah. And uh, first, he and Sarah tried to do it through works instead of faith. Right, and we all <laughs> saw how that ended. Yeah, it didn't uh, end well. No, it didn't. Um, so, but then God fulfills the promise and gifts Sarah with a child. And this child's name is Isaac. Hmm. Okay, so um, in this, we can read this account in Genesis uh, 22 that we're about to talk about. Right. Um, we're really going to focus on Genesis 22 and 24 for this study. Okay. Uh, more than anything, um, but in in first off, the story in in chapter 22 is that God all of a sudden comes to Abraham with this this command or with this uh, it's request uncannily just it's weird why why would God want this yeah because all of a sudden he's like he's been promising him a child and now he has that child of promise and God says take your son who you love and sacrifice him yes take him to this mountain and sacrifice him and uh, so that's exactly what Abraham Genesis twenty two two, and he said, "Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and give thee into the land of get thee to the land of Moriah. Offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of." Right, and uh, Chick would be very proud. You're reading from that version. Yes, uh, so <laughs> thou wouldest. <laughs> So, um, <laughs> so anyway, that's what happens. He takes him to up up this mountain, and of course, he's getting ready to. You know, you've got this this classic image of of Abraham with his son uh, bound upon the altar with this knife raised high, right. and all of a sudden, this angel stills his hand. Well, it doesn't actually say that, but okay. So he stops him from God stops him from mid sacrifice. Yes. From- from plunging the knife down. Yep, and then and then uh, he because it was a test of faith. Right. That's basically how it all comes out. That this was to see if Abraham had the faith to do what God asked of him, even in uh, light of losing his only promised son that right. he loved. And Abraham passed the test. Yep. And this is not the only place. Genesis twenty-two is not the only place that says only begotten. Only promised right. the one son. Yes. Uh, uh, Hebrews eleven seventeen. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac that he had received the promise, offered up his only begotten son. Right. So that calls to mind a scripture that most of us know by heart. That's right. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. 
Yeah. That whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Okay, so now we have this this comparison here that just just immediately fits in. Okay? Right. We've got God sacrificing his son, and we've got Abraham who was called to sacrifice his son. And um, and so there is definitely a correlation going on here, a model that was built in the past through the actions of the this patriarch that fits right in to what Jesus did for us. Right. So, but let's look at some of the details because... Oh, yeah, there's so many good There's some details. really cool stuff in here. Uh, first off, the one that you mentioned is the fact that Isaac was called his only son. Uh, verse 2, which you read before, says, Take right. your son, your only son, whom you love, and sacrifice him. So... Um, <clears throat> First off, was Isaac technically Abraham's only son? No. No. Technically not. So why would the Holy Spirit inspire Moses to write it in this way? <laughs> well, there's a couple theories. One of them is that um, uh, God wanted to focus on the fact that Abraham was the, or Isaac was the chosen son, mm-hmm. so he used Moses to write, only son, but the best theory, of course, <laughs> is a type and shadow. Exactly. A similitude. So we, we see here that this is an intentional thing. Right. This is not, oh, what a coincidence. <laughs> this story fits right in with the story of Jesus. No, it's it's meant to. Yeah. It's it's it, this is intentional. That even though this isn't technically Abraham's only son, it is worded as if it's his only son because it's his only son that matters. Right. And because it ties into God having an only son that would be sacrificed later. So it definitely uh, ties into that. Uh, He also goes out of the way to let us know that this is a son who is is very much loved. Hmm. Your son that you love. Take him. So immediately... Uh, you're being told to sacrifice this son, and it's being pointed out, you love this guy. You, right. Th- this is a big thing. He's your number one he, thing. Right, right. And so uh, there are often times in the, the New Testament <clears throat> where we are told that, uh, you know, God loves Jesus. You know, uh, the Mount of Transfiguration, for example. Right. And... Uh, um, so we have, you know, the word of God coming down from the sky saying, this is, this is my son. I'm well pleased with him. I love this guy. Yeah. Okay. So we, we know that, uh, that God loves Jesus at, at just the same way. Um, so I'm going to skip through chapter 22. I mean, okay. we, we're going to like hit some verses and then come back to other verses because sure. uh, there are some, some points that I think we, we can make here that are not, aren't necessarily chronological. But I, they'll help us to <clears throat> to get the the idea that that uh, uh, this is a Jesus model, like through and through. Okay. Okay. So first off, let's look at verse nine of of Genesis twenty two, and I'm reading from the NET. It says, um, "When they came to the place that God had told him about, Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood on it." Next, he tied up his son Isaac and placed him on the altar on top of the wood. Okay, so 
this is obviously after they made their way to the mountain. Right. And Abraham ties him up and puts him on the altar. Okay, first off, let's think about this. Abraham was 100 years old whenever he had uh, Isaac. Right. Okay. Most scholars kind of put Isaac at at least 15 years old. Right. I've even heard upwards of 30. 30, yeah. Which would be even cooler, by the way. (laughs) We see all these pictures of Abraham and Isaac um, in your Sunday school coloring books. And Isaac's a little boy in these pictures. Yes. The better description is a young man. I really believe he was probably in his 20s when this happened. And and if he and if he indeed was around thirty, that even puts it closer to a model, right? But for whatever uh, for whatever uh, age he is, he's not. He's probably not a little child. No, he he he's probably he he knew at this point what sacrifice was all about, because he asked his father on the way up the hill, "Hey, where's the sacrifice? Right. We got the wood. We got all this other stuff." Where's the sacrifice? It's not the first time that he's done sacrifice. No, before. he knows what this is exactly, and um, and so he's also able to carry the wood, which we'll talk about here in a little bit, yeah. on his back. Okay, that's not something that you would do to a nine-year-old, right? Okay. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, here he is. He, he's probably a mature young man. Yeah. Okay. Now you've got a that would put. Abraham at about 115, 120, maybe even 130. Yeah. Okay. Do you think it would have been hard to prevent this from happening? <laughs> you, well, I'll tell you what. If I you were a, Isaac. I have a 17-year-old kiddo at home. Right. And we wrestle, and I'm winded and beat up afterwards, <laughs> and I'm 33. So right. I, I think that it wouldn't be anything for, uh, you know— a young man to be able to uh, thwart his 115-year-old <laughs> right. father's wishes. Right. So there had to be some trusts That's going right. on here. Even though, okay, at this point, the, the old man starts wrapping you in ropes. <laughs> you kind of get the idea of what's about to happen. Yeah. <laughs> right? But somehow you get up onto the altar, on top of the wood and everything, there had to be some willingness on the part right. of this young man. And notice, he leaves the servants down at the bottom of the hill. Yes, this is just it's Abraham, just and, Abraham Isaac. and Isaac there. He's the only ones there. If, if we look at Galatians 1, um, verses 3 and 4, yes. it says, Grace and peace to you from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of of our God and Father. Yeah. This he heard his father say, I need to bind you and you need to get up on the wood. Yeah. Okay? That's his will. Yeah. That's the father's will. Well, you have uh wow. So Jesus uh Isaac is obedient to the will of his father just like Jesus is obedient to the will of his father. Mm-hmm. You have the Garden of Gethsemane prayer. Yeah. Lord, if there be any possible way, let this cup pass from yes, you. Yes, it's not... Nevertheless, not, not, what, he, not what he wanted. Right. But, yeah. Let time be done. And then, not only that, but he says, I think it's to Peter, no man takes my life from me, I lay my life down. Yes, I, I, I give it willingly. I give it willingly. So, 
isn't that what Isaac does? Absolutely. He puts his trust in his father and he becomes a willing sacrifice. He becomes a willing participant in what's going on here. Right. Um, if we look, and of course I'm bouncing around again, Genesis 22, verse 6. Now this is whenever they're getting ready to go up the, the, the mountain. And, and uh, it says there in verse 6, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and put it on his son Isaac. Then he took the fire and the knife in his hand, and the two of them walked on together. Yeah. Okay, so here you have this young man walking up a hill carrying wood <laughs> on his back. Huh, that sounds very vaguely familiar. <laughs> so if we go to John chapter 19 and look there in verse uh, 17, it says, So they took Jesus... And carrying his own cross, he went out to the place called the place of the skull, called in Aramaic, Golgotha. Golgotha. So Golgotha, Calvary, is up a hill from from the Antonia Fortress where he was tried. So he's carrying his own wood that he's going to be sacrificed on up the hill. Right. Okay, that's that's more than uncanny. Oh yeah, <laughs> there is there is definitely something. That's a definite picture of you know of Christ, you know, and he knows exactly what's going to happen. He's carrying his cross up the hill to be sacrificed on it. Uh, Isaac, at this point, he's not a dumb boy. I believe he knows exactly what's coming <laughs> when he's carrying that wood <laughs> up that hill because earlier he'd asked his dad, you know, uh, where is the yeah, where's where is, the sacrifice, right? I love the responses Dad yeah. gives. I'm not sure if you're bringing that up yet. Yeah, I will. Okay. Yeah. So, um, okay, let's look at... I'm going to back up again. <laughs> All right. Let's go back to, to verse 2. God said, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah, or Moriah. I just love this whole... I almost think J.R.R. Tolkien must have had this in mind oh, yeah. whenever he was talking about the mines of Moria. And right. <laughs> But uh, so he tells him to go to this land of Moriah and offer him up there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will indicate to you. Okay, so let's talk about this for just one second. Um, Moriah. Is that used anywhere else in Scripture? It's like, where do we... what? If we're trying to map this and trying to figure out where he's directing him to go to, yeah, it's like the only other place it's mentioned in scripture is right here in Genesis 22 2. Well, it's mentioned again, besides, oh, okay, here it's mentioned in First Chronicles 3 and 1 in reference to David scoping out where he's going to put his palace and the temple and right. all that stuff. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay? And it's upon this threshing floor out here. And this, and it calls it, the place was called Moriah. Okay? Where is that? It's in Jerusalem. That's in Jerusalem. Okay, now, right. at the time of Abraham, this was called Salem. Yeah. And it was not where Abraham lived. Right. Uh, he lived, obviously, uh, a good ways away from here. Yeah. Now... We can tell by the by by the context that they've sacrificed things before. Okay. Abraham didn't know where this place was. 
Apparently he had never been there before. Right. Okay. So they, it would have been pretty normal for him to say, I need you to sacrifice your son. He probably would have taken him to an altar right there near the house. He probably had a place where they do sacrifice. Right. Uh, of course, this was prior to Mosaic law, so there wasn't a tabernacle, but there was probably an altar somewhere nearby that he would use for this. Sure. But God goes out of his way to take him to some place. And he says, I will direct you where you need to go. And so he takes him to what we know of as Jerusalem. That's right. Wow. And so he, t- and he says, I'll take him to a, a place where I will indicate to you. Now, if we drop down to verse 4, it says, On the third day, Abraham caught sight of the place in the distance. <laughs> okay, so we know it's a mountain, and it took three days for him to get there. And as they're traveling up this place, he sees it in the distance. He sees it from afar. Now, right. if you're going uphill, up a mountain or whatever, what part of that mountain is normally what you see afar? It's like the pinnacle, the peak. Right. That's the peak is where he was probably looking at when he saw it afar. Now, if we look topographically at Jerusalem, which is where we know Moriah is, <laughs> topographically, the highest point of what we call Mount Zion, which is also, by the way, Mount Moriah. Right. If we if we look at at the highest peak, it just happens to hit at a place where we call Gordon's Calvary. And it's outside of the city walls of Jerusalem, just a hair. And it's the highest point. Hmm. Now, this is one of the places uh, that is presumed to be Golgotha, Golgotha where, yeah. where Jesus was, was uh, sacrificed. So how interesting is that if God actually took Abraham to sacrifice his son at the very place, at the exact location where Jesus would one day yeah. uh, actually sacrifice himself. He's making a statement. Yes. God's making a statement all the way back in the Old Testament and really showing Abraham, to me, showing Abraham, your descendants are going to be, through you, your descendants uh are gonna you're gonna have the savior's gonna be through your descendants. Right. It's an amazing picture. Wow. And yeah. and then to top it off, um the um if you look topographically at the at that uh that peak, it the it is seven hundred and seventy seven kilometers above sea level. <laughs> Amazing. Now, of course, seven seven seven. It would have perfect upon perfect upon perfect. It's a, it's the same thing that you see of the number of the beats being six six six. Imperfect, right. imperfect, imperfect. You see the same thing happening here. Holy, holy, holy. Perfect, perfect, perfect. This yeah. is the this is the peak of of this mountain. And so, anyway, um, wow. If we tie that into also verse four, three days. It took him three days. That's to, right. To get there. Okay, so... On the third day, Abraham lifted up his saw, fit eyes and saw the place from afar. Okay, so let's think about this for a minute. God tells you to kill your son. Now, the only way you can really pull that off is to work that out in your mind and, and be at peace with it 
Yeah. <laughs> Somehow. I mean, it might, it might be really hard to do, but in a way, Abraham lost his son that day. Yeah. Because he had, had resolved himself to carry him this three days journey and sacrifice him. And so, in a way, Isaac died. Three days on that day. In, in, in right. Abraham's mind, right. he would have died that day. Now, if we go into um, to, uh, Hebrews, we read there that Abraham's faith was driven by the idea that this was God's problem, not his. Right. That God had promised that the seed would provide. And therefore, this is God's problem. He said, even having the faith that he would be resurrected. Right. That's what was driving. So in other Abraham. words, Abraham Abraham had the strength to go on and be able to sacrifice Isaac because he believed that God would make good on his promise mm-hmm. to give Abraham a son and an heir, and so therefore would have to raise him up from the dead. Yes, even after I kill him. Exactly. That's, so he wasn't thinking, God's going to stop me. He was thinking, God's, God's do going to resurrect right. this guy. Okay. So from Abraham's perspective, what happened here? <laughs> his son died. And then three days later was resurrected. Was resurrected. Yeah. So once again, Jesus died. It's a shadow. <laughs> three days later was resurrected. That's right. So we see, even though you have to dig for some of this stuff, it's still there. There's like these layers upon layers upon oh, yeah. layers of stuff that's that's happening. And then of course, uh, the last one I wanted to mention about the sacrifice thing that's happening here is one that you mentioned. Yeah. And do you have your King James pulled up? Uh, yeah. Because I think that this is one passage that reads so much better in the King James than, <laughs> than any other translation that I've read. What verse are we going to? Uh, verse eight. Now, this is where <laughs> Isaac is asking his dad, where is the sacrifice? <laughs> <laughs> so Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went. Both of them together. Okay. So there is some Hebrew wordplay that happens here. And the King James translators nailed it. They, oh, yeah. Because they got the wordplay to work in English. And that wordplay is the fact that he uses the word himself. That's right. <laughs> okay. Because there's two ways you can read that. One way to read it is that God himself will provide the sacrifice. Right. The other way you can read it is God himself will become the sacrifice. Right. And ESV came so close. God will provide for himself. When you put that for in there, you just ruin the whole wordplay. Kind of missed it. Yeah. But it's so good. So in other words, Abraham is saying here that God is going to be the sacrifice. Yes. There's a prophecy that happens under the hood. It's like a it's like a uh, play on words <laughs> That's prophecy. That's right. It's a pun. Yeah, so and, and the chute course this is not an accident. This is something that the Hebrews did a lot. But right. word play is was a very we lose so much in translation. Yeah. Especially in, in the Old Testament. Because yeah. the Hebrew Bible is That's the truth. is full of this stuff. Okay. So, let's leave the Mount of Moriah and 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 let's continue the model. Because oftentimes we, th- we stop and we think, okay, um, okay, that was a good, nice little model. Abraham, Isaac, Isaac on the hill, Isaac being the sacrifice, and et cetera, et cetera. But the Holy Spirit chose to keep this model going right. for a couple more chapters. So in chapter 23, Sarah dies. 
Yeah. And it, the whole chapter is devoted to Abraham finding a burial place for her and, uh, and obtaining the cave where is going to be her tomb. Right. Um, so Isaac is not mentioned at all. Nope. Which this is this, even though we know Isaac was there and was probably involved, the spirit chose not to include him in the record at all during this chapter, during this phase. Right. And in fact, we won't hear from about him physically for quite a bit. Yeah. And I think there's a purpose in that. So um, let's let's go to chapter 24. So what is happening in chapter 24? Well, we read that uh, Abraham's old. He's about to die, and he worries, ah, I've got to get my, my son a wife. And he thinks to himself, the only person I can get for my son a wife would be some woman from my own tribe back um, in my own hometown. So right. he sends a servant mm-hmm. to go and find Isaac a wife. And the servant finds Isaac and a wife, and they get married and happily ever there after. There you go. That's the story. Yeah. So, uh, so we have this this story of uh, Rebecca, right? Which is the the woman that is found for uh, the wife of Isaac. Yep. But there's some cool things working in here. Some deeper rivers <laughs> that we must there's navigate. Vast reaches of God's word here <laughs> That's <right>. to explore. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Okay, so um, let's let's begin at the first part of this chapter. It says, Now Abraham was old, well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed him in everything. Abraham said to his servant, the senior one, in his household... <laughs> I, I somehow feel like that's going to play in. Okay, keep going. <laughs> who, ...who was in charge of everything he had. Put your hand under my thigh. I won't talk about what that means. <laughs> so that I... I love that. <laughs> Whenever... Whenever our youth boys read See, that, I said, I'm not going to talk about I'm it. I'm sorry, but I'm bringing it up. Whenever our youth boys read that and I have to explain that, they're like, what? I'm like, dude, dude, Bible. It happened. Okay. It, okay, go ahead. So put your hand under my thigh. Okay. So that, I may, so that I may make you solemnly promise by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, you must not acquire a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites. Uh, among whom I am living. You must go instead to my country and to my relatives to find a wife for my son, Isaac. Okay, so first off, there's some interesting things happening here. Some of it is is tied into their culture. Some of it is still a little weird in that Isaac doesn't really seem to have much of a say about this, right? I mean, Abraham's doing the arranging. That's right. You know, Isaac is really quiet. <laughs> throughout yes. the first half of his life, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. So, um, okay, um, so he tells him, you know, put your hand on my th- under my thigh and make this promise. And I- I'm j- all I'm going to say is circumcision was a promise. Right. And so this was a way of... Verifying that promise. Promising on that promise. Right. Okay, so... It was like, uh, put your hand on the Bible, do you solemnly swear to tell the truth? <laughs> right, right. Only the Bible was something totally yeah. different here. Yeah, but, okay. <laughs> so, we'll leave it at that. You've got, I, I love your boyish giggles. That's pretty funny. I'm sorry. That's hilarious. You've all got imaginations. <laughs> That's right. Okay, so, so... So, we have this going on. <laughs> and this isn't part of the model. Oh but, 
Okay. So, but anyway. No, it has he, nothing to do with the model. Go God, ahead. God's, or God, Abraham mm-hmm. in the role of God. You're going to have to cut a lot of this out. Okay, go No, ahead. no, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. So he sends off this servant All right. to, to go find a wife yes. for his son. Now, first off, we know who this servant is. Is yes. What's his name? Eleazar. Yes, not the same Eleazar that I missed in the previous episode no. about Ab- uh, Aaron's uh, son. Right. But we're talking about uh, Eleazar, the the uh, eldest servant of Abraham. Yes. Okay. So he is named earlier. Right. But for some reason, he's unnamed hint, in this hint, passage. Hint, he's not named in this That's particular. Right. He's just called the the eldest servant, the, the senior one. Yeah. And so. Um, <clears throat> the the way that the spirit works is that um, this unnamed servant is usually a type right. in the Old Testament for the Holy Spirit. And I'm trying to read my own writing, but uh, that kind of ties in a little bit to, I think this is the right, uh, John 16 and 13. John 16, 13, that's what I was going to say. John 16 and You got it 13. pulled up there? I'm pulling it up. Give me one second. Uno momento, por favor. John. Yes, 16, 16 and 13. And 13. So close, I can taste it. <laughs> it says this. <clears throat> when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority... But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Okay, so that that passage about the Spirit gives you a little indication about how he works, and consequently, that's how we see Eleazar working in chapter 24. Well, what does a servant do? He doesn't speak on his own authority. Correct. He speaks on the authority of... Of the master, the one, the who, one sent who sent him. him, right? And what's Eleazar doing here? He's he's speaking on the authority of Abraham. So, in other words, he is <laughs> Abraham's representative right. to the land. Now, what is uh, what is the Holy Spirit if not God, the Father's representative mm-hmm. on earth? Yes, to us? he's God with us now. Yeah. So, and and so another big thing here that the. Uh, the fact that it doesn't name him gives right. even more authority to that because it's like this isn't about Eleazar. This isn't about him. It isn't about... Let's forget he's even got a name. Right. Let's just treat him as the servant. Right. Okay? Which is it, it's interesting if you think about it. Uh, God has many names. Yeah. The son has many names. Yeah. You know? But the Holy Spirit, he's called a lot of things, comforter, uh, things of this nature, but he doesn't have a lot of formal names. No, he doesn't. And so that's that's kind of what this is is implying here. So imagine here that Eleazar is in the role of the Holy Spirit. So we see that one of the things that happens is uh, this unnamed servant goes into the land where, um, where Abraham had come from. And, um, and he wants to find this woman. And they had kind of concocted this plan. Go to a well, and when a woman offers you, um, is it you and your camel, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and Well, whenever you ask her for some water, yes, uh, she's going to say, not only will I give you water, but I'll give you your, your camel's water. Okay, so that's a big deal, by the way, in their culture. 
Right. Because a camel sucks up a lot of water. Yeah. And the whale is a precious thing. That's right. <laughs> so it was not a common thing for someone to offer your camel water from their well. And it would have also been a lot of work. Yeah. Because they would have to draw a lot of water out of the well in order for this to happen. So it was a demonstration of sacrifice or a demonstration of, of being a servant. Right. So, um, so we have this, and it actually happens with Rebecca. We see here that uh, he goes to this well and that she shows up and that um, she, she has this, um, this offering. So <clears throat> there, there in verse 13 of chapter 24, it says, Here I am standing by the spring, and the daughters of the people who live in the town are coming out to draw water. And I will say to a young woman, Please lower your jar so I may drink. May the one you have chosen for your servant Isaac reply, Drink and I'll give your camels water too. In this way, I will know that you have been faithful to my master. So it's almost like uh, God is preordaining <laughs> a woman for Isaac. Right. Yeah. Mm. Because God already has the person, the perfect woman chosen, chosen for <laughs> Isaac. And so Eleazar or the servant, mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit, is picking out that chosen one because there's only going to be one woman that does this. Right. Awesome. Okay, yeah, anyways. It, it, and, well, it, there probably should, by all reckoning, should not have been anybody that would have done this. Right. But she did it anyway. And um, so this is also a good model for the whole predestination Calvinism argument. Yes, it is. Because there is... Um, we're also going to see some free will in, at work here. That's we're right. Not, we're not through with this. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. Hey, you're getting ahead of me. Okay, Come on, so, stop so, it. Okay, sorry. So, okay. <laughs> so I want to jump over to John chapter 4, and in verse uh, uh, 10, this is Jesus, and he is at a well. Yes. And he meets a woman at the well. And it says... Jesus answered her, if you had known the gift of God and who it was who said to you, give me some water to drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Mm. Okay, so we see a little bit of a parallel. A happening contrast, here. yeah, a parallel and a contrast. We, we see here that once again, Jesus now is asking right. for the water. And we see that this woman responds. But he's also saying, if you knew who I was, then you would be asking me for the water. Right. And think about this in terms of Rebecca. If Rebecca had known who it was that was that was making this proposition of wanting water at her well, knowing that the promise to save yeah. the whole world was was based on this guy that she is going to end up with. She would be asking for it herself. It would not be. Yeah. I mean, if she had the foreknowledge of how great this opportunity was, she would be the one asking for it. That's right. Well, what she's going to get in return for watering that those uh, those camels and that servant mm -hmm. is going to be far greater than the water it cost to water them. Oh, yeah. And that's you know she doesn't realize that, and that's exactly Jesus is pulling on that. He's saying, "Man, <clears throat> I asked for a drink." But if you realized who I was, you would be asking me 
Right. Together. And that's an, that's an amazing parallel right and, there. And also think about where Jesus' conversation with her goes. Yeah. Where he says, you don't even know what you worship. Right. God is a spirit. And he he's looking for those who will worship him huh. in spirit and in truth. And here Eleazar is. He is a type of the spirit. Looking. It, it, yes, looking for the one. ones who will come in spirit mm. to his... I think we're giving it away. We're so, giving it away. <laughs> Hold up. Okay, so um, chapter 24, okay, verse uh, 58. Okay, so... Um, oh, you're jumping all the way down there? Yeah, I jumped way down. Okay, so let's... let's. I'll give you a little rundown here. Okay. Uh, so after Rebecca says, okay, do you want... Your camels can have some water too... He's like, hmm, let me put this bracelet on you and let's go talk to your uh, dad. Yeah. Because <laughs> I got a proposition <laughs> to make here. And so he he brought a dowry from Abraham and he had all this ready to... to right. To, because basically in their culture, this is how it worked. You paid for this woman. But it wasn't her dad. It was her brother, oh, right? Um, and her mom. That's that's right. Um, Reuben. Laban. Laban. I'm yes. sorry. Laban. Laban comes into play later on in, in uh, the story. He does. <laughs> with with Isaac's son. But that's getting ahead of ourselves here. So um, <laughs> Laban's a little dirty guy, it, I'm telling you. And, and, you know, we even see that here. Oh, yeah. Because Laban is like, hmm, what you got to offer? Right. You know? <laughs> right. So um, let's actually, let's start in um, verse 49. Okay. Um, now this is uh, the un- unknown servant here. Now, if you will show faithful love to my master, faithful love. That's so cool the way this stuff is worded. Yeah. Okay. If you will show faithful love to my master, tell me. But if not, tell me as well so that I may go on my way. Okay. So there's a choice that, he's, right. that he, is, he, is, he is proposing to Rebecca. Right. So he's like, I want you to be this bride. Uh, but you need to show faithful love to my master. Are you willing to do that? And so now this is a man she has not, she's never seen him. She's never laid eyes on this guy. Right. She doesn't know what he's like or anything. All she knows is the story that this unnamed servant is is bringing right. to her. The witness that he has is the only thing that she knows about this man who is going to ultimately save her right. from this uh country that she's in so uh he says now if you're faithful uh, if you show faithful love to my master tell me otherwise i'll go on my way and then laban and uh, bethuel replied this is the lord's doing our wishes are of no concern rebecca stands here before you take her and go so that she may be become the wife of your master's son just as the lord has decided and when abraham's servant Heard their words, he bowed down to the ground before the Lord. Then he brought out gold, silver jewelry, and clothing and gave them to Rebekah. And he also gave valuable gifts to her brother and to her mother. So yes. Laban, yes, definitely her, bro- her brother. After this, he and the men who were with him ate a meal and stayed there overnight. When they got up in the morning, he said, Let me leave now so I can return to my master. But Rebekah's brother and her mother replied, let the girl stay with us for a few days more, perhaps 10. <laughs> then she can go. But he said to them, don't detain me. The Lord has granted me success on my journey. 
Let me leave now so I may return to my master. Then they said, we'll call the girl and find out what she wants to do. (laughs) So they called Rebecca and asked her, do you want to go with this man? She replied, I want to go. So they sent their sister Rebecca on her way, accompanied by her female attendant with Abraham's servant and his men. And they blessed Rebecca with these words. Our sister, you may become the mother of thousands of 10,000. May your descendants possess the strongholds of their enemies. Yes. So they give him, they give her their blessing and she leaves on her way. I've got so much here. Throw it out there. Okay. The first thing is this. Um, Rebecca, because she is the chosen one, because she's uh, because she's the the bride to be, is given all these gifts, mm-hmm. this gold and, and jewelry and, and wonderful things. Nothing that she earned. Nothing that she earned. <laughs> it's just given to her. And right. not only that, but her brother and her mother are even given some gifts. Mm-hmm. This is a beautiful picture of the bride of Christ. And the reason it is is because you you think of number one, where are we at right now? The church in the world, right? Okay, the church has been giving all the given all these gifts by God the Father, mm-hmm. and not only that, but the world has actually been blessed because of the church's uh, presence. Correct. So yes. they even get an offshoot of that. <laughs> we are the light of the world. We're the city on a hill, right? Mm-hmm. We are the, the light in the darkness. And so... So does it sound like that Rebecca might have been the light of these people's lives? Exactly. <laughs> right? Right. So whenever it comes time and the servant says, all right, let's go. Let's go meet your husband. What immediately do the brother and mother say? No, well, wait, wait, let's... Let's hold on to this for a little bit. We've we've got this good blessing. Mm-hmm. Without Rebecca, what happens? The blessing leaves. Right. Right. right? And mm-hmm. they're stuck in utter darkness. Beautiful picture of the bride of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. So we see Rebecca making this commitment to a man she never met. Yeah. But that has vowed to give her everything, including salvation of the world. Right. Yes. I mean, this there is this huge promise, and she just by faith accepts this. Yeah. And accepts this man uh, that she's never even met. And uh, so she goes with this unnamed servant. So she's walking now. Yeah. On a journey. Yeah. With an unnamed servant. Yeah. Who is leading her. Yeah. That's so beautiful. To her husband. Yeah. Okay. Let's look at... Um, now, by the way, she chose. She did. Yes. Going back to our Calvinism thing. <laughs> right. So it's predestined and ch- and free will. <laughs> exactly. We see both <laughs> Happening in this. Happening going on here. We see both in this shadow. Yeah, so... It's um, beautiful. Yeah, and you, you guys can read into that however you want. But, <laughs> but, but we're just saying both, both, right. both is apparent here. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so uh, now let's look at verse 62. Now, Isaac came from Be'er Laharoi, for he was... Li- Say that again. Be'er Laharoi. That's beautiful. I don't know. Okay. For he was living in Negev. He went out to relax in the field in the early evening. Okay, by the way, this is the first time Isaac has even been mentioned since the sacrificial <laughs> right. part. Right. Okay? We haven't seen Isaac. We have not seen this... Savior, this sacrifice, we haven't seen him since the sacrificial mount. Okay. Right. He's returning 
at this point in the story for a purpose yeah. that we're about to get to here. So he's relaxing in the field in the early evening. Then he looks up and saw that there were camels approaching. Rebecca looked up and saw Isaac. She got down from her camel and asked Abraham's servant, who is that man walking in the field toward us? That is my master, the servant replied. So she took her veil and covered herself. Then the servant told Isaac everything that had happened. And then Isaac brought Rebekah into his mother Sarah's tent. He took her as his wife and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Mm. Okay, so we have the second coming of Isaac here right. showing up and he is he sees her coming in a distance and rushes out toward them. Yeah. She comes off of the camel, prepares herself to see her husband, which in their culture would have been the, the veil. veiling herself. And they embrace and he takes her right into the tent and loves her. Yeah. So he takes her home to be with him forever. This in, is the culmination in, of, of, yeah, of Isaac and Rebecca, the husband and the, and the bride. Yes. So, such a perfect model for us as the bride of Christ. Yeah. We are Rebecca in the story. And, and we are, we have been chosen at the well. Yeah. And, but we also have a choice that has to be made. Yeah. We have to decide whether or not we are going to show faithful love and dedication and go with the Holy Spirit, right. leave with him and go where he leads us to, to follow into the path that leads us to an eternal rest yes. with our Savior. And this is a blind faith. Yes. That we have to trust. But it's not without its reward when we meet Christ and he rushes to us and takes us as his own. Amen. So isn't that cool? That's a beautiful picture. I love types and shadows. Yes. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. So anyway, so that's that's really uh, all that I had for the for the study. What did you think about it? Oh, it's pretty powerful. It's pretty powerful. You know, uh, and and again, a lot of people stop with the. uh, Abraham and Isaac sacrifice, and they don't just go far enough to the bride of Christ coming to see, you know, the culmination of Isaac's story. Right. It's a beautiful type and shadow. And again, we see this all through Scripture, the story of redemption, all through Scripture from beginning to end. It all points to Jesus. Right. Beautiful. And so, you guys, whenever you're reading your Bible, think about that. You know, Jesus, I say Jesus. Messianic Psalm, Psalms 40, he says, Lo, the book is written about me. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's talking about Jesus. That It is written about him. It is all geared toward him. So whenever you, re- even these Old Testament stories, when you're reading them, be conscious of that. Think about it. Where is Jesus in this model? Uh, I mean, you can find it everywhere. Judges um, in... Uh, Genesis and Exodus and all throughout the Old Testament. Oh, goodness, yeah. And this is just a sampling of it. And obviously we started with Isaac because Isaac seems to be an obvious model for Christ. But wow, when you start looking at how deep that model goes, that's right. it's like this is not something a man could have of, of just put together and it fits so well with what a, a, a later writer would write in the story of right. Jesus. It's just, it fits too perfectly. Yeah. It, it is part of, uh, 
a faith building thing that lets That's you know right. this is a supernatural work. It definitely is faith building, and it and it's, it's a proof. It's of our geared faith. toward that. So beautiful. Be thinking about that whenever you are studying your Bible. The, the Theonauts are part of the Great Commission Transmission Network, using new media and social networking to go into all the world to proclaim the good news to everyone. To find out more and to partner with us, visit us at gctnetwork.com and subscribe to the newsletter there to stay up to date on the latest from all our shows, including Finding Christ in Cinema. There are several ways to contact us and lead us feedback. Send us an email to the Theonauts at the gctnetwork.com. That's Theonauts at gctnetwork. Theonauts. <laughs> yeah. Not the, just Theonauts. No the. So <laughs> call us on our voicemail line at 972 972- 885-7270 Listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio or your favorite podcast portal Don't forget to leave us comments there to rate us Tweet us on Twitter using at Theonautical and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Theonauts Don't forget to tune in again Oh, follow us on Instagram <laughs> at Theonauts <laughs> and don't forget to tune in again and explore the vast reaches of God's word with us. Okay, thanks for being here, Jeremiah. Thank you, David. All right, God bless. This has been Theonauts Podcast. Call us with your questions or comments at 972-885-7270. That's 972-885-7270. Love to hear from you. You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your Great Commission. This is your Great Commission transmission. At GCTNetwork.com. This is your Great Commission transmission. This is your Great Commission transmission.